I just want to talk this morning about a topic, something that I think that is very familiar to all of us. And I just want to name this title. I don't usually title messages, but I just want to title this, The Anatomy of a Hero, How to Deal with Defeat. Okay? I mean, I don't know if you've had a week of just blindsided events. And uh, if you haven't, that's okay. It's coming. Don't... I don't want to be the, the bearer of bad news, but failure and defeat is a fact of this fallen world that we live in. And so I want to talk about anatomy of a hero and how to handle defeats. And I don't know if you've been in a place in your life where you were just running full speed and then you get a sucker punch in the stomach and then you're just, you have no air. You can't breathe. Have you ever been, you've been in a situation like that? Has somebody ever hit you in the stomach and we got to let the kids go? Okay, kids... Go for it. Uh, have fun with Miss Daphne. Uh, <laughs> Lily's looking at me like, what happened to us? We don't want to hear you preach. We want to hear Miss Daphne preach. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Failure is a fact of life. Defeat is something that happens. We know this because we see it in the Bible. We see that. Failure is much a part of human experience as breathing. And I'm not talking about necessarily failure and sin, but I'm just talking also about that human aspect of us that is limited, that can do its best, and that falls short. And I don't know if you've been in a situation like that, but if you lose your job, uh, something happens to you, you get you just get blindsided by things. And I don't know if you, I, I think some of us positive thinkers, like I think I am, I'm an optimist. And that can be a detriment, I think, to me. But when we get that, when we get blindsided, have you ever been blindsided and you sit down and you're just numb? It's been one year almost since we're in the Yes. So it's, we're coming up on the anniversary. Yes. we were all blindsided. Numb. Yes. And so we, we get hit like that. And, and that, that's, very, that's, uh, that's very true. We get blindsided and we sit down we're just numb. We're like... And you hear this low hum, and you can feel the blood pumping in your brain. And then you go through a wide range of emotions. Anger, fear, self-criticism, doubt, and then anger again, and then just whatever, whatever happens. I just want to say that in the kingdom of God, the Bible is a book. It's not a book about perfect people. It's about a perfect God. A gracious God, an amazing God that shows up every time that there's a great aspect of brokenness in this world that rears its head. Failure is very much part of the human, of the human experience as breathing. I broke out a book. It's about over 40 years. It's a book that our pastor wrote years ago, and it's, not, it's a very little spoken book. I would like you to, if, you, if I can, it's called Failure. Is a, I'm sorry, it's called Forgive Me, I'm Human. And it just talks about, I love the first chapter, and it just talks about uh, just, and I'm going to read some of it, but it just speaks about how we can handle that defeat in our life. Failure is much, failure is, is, is something that, that shows that we live in a very broken world. Needless to say that no one is in their experience perfected. Here's some example, Babe Ruth, right? Babe Ruth, the old Babe Ruth great home run hitter from the New York Yankers, which I'm not a Yankees fan, in the 1920s and the 30s holds a spot in baseball history for slamming 700 
and 14 home runs out of the park. However, you might not know that he also struck out 1,330 times. For every glorious triumph at the plate, he had two miserable failures. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that? Maybe you did. I don't know. How about General Douglas MacArthur fleeing the Philippines in apparent failure made the legendary pronouncement, I shall return. He did return in one of the greatest morale-boosting war efforts in the Pacific in World War II. Let's look at the Bible. John Mark quit the first missionary team. First missionary team in the Bible. First missionary team. First missions trip. Paul, Barnabas, John Mark in Antioch, the missionary sending church. And that's what I pray that our church is and will be a missionary sending church missionary meaning that we're being sent out into our neighborhoods and into our workplaces and into Baytown and into Exxon into all of these different places that we are John Mark goes on this missionary trip gets partway in and what happens there's a blowout on the team I mean there's an entire there's like a blow <laughs> John Mark Barnabas go I'm sorry Paul and Barnabas go at it John Mark is like uh, this, that's later, but John Mark says, I, I, he, he just wimps out, and he's just, I can't do this. What happens to John Mark, though? Later on in church history, it re- we know that it records that he later became Paul, uh, Peter's right-hand man, right. authored one of the four Gospels. And I'm sure, you know, when I look at the Gospel of Mark, I can't help but see Peter yeah. over his shoulder speaking to Mark, yeah. you know, who is his disciple. Paul could not necessarily disciple John Mark Peter goes after John Mark, disciples him, and he becomes a great man of God. And later, he's the first bishop in the city of Alexandria in in Egypt. And then later, he dies as a martyr for the faith. Failure for him was not, defeat for him was not the end, but only the beginning. The Bible is a a history, has a history of defeats. What What is a hero? What is the anatomy of a hero? I don't think that I could say a hero is this, this, and this. I don't think there are any other. I don't. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us there's only one hero, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the hero of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of this church. He's the author and the finisher of your marriage. He's the author and the finisher of your single life. He is the author and the finisher of your parenthood. He is the author and the finisher of your business. He's the author and the finisher of your of your personal walk in your, in your life as a personal human being. Human history begins with defeats. <laughs> Adam and Eve, right? Here is God creating this incredible creation, right? The angels are clapping. The, the hosts of heaven are cheering God on. They're singing holy, holy, holy. And they're continually throwing their, casting their crowns at the feet of Jesus Jesus is the word of God, the Logos, who was with God from not only at the beginning, but before the beginning, John chapter 1. He is the creator. God is speaking, and Jesus is creating. He's the creator of this universe. And he begins, and Adam and Eve are the crown. They're like, they are the, they're like, the, they're like the awesome achievements of creation. But our God, our God, our Father, was not on an achievement complex. He was not an achievement complex. He did not have the spirit of Esau, which was the good-looking achiever. Everything looks great. They're like, awesome. He's an awesome guy. And then, but God was a different kind of a God. He is the God of over all gods. But he created Adam and Eve with the very clear understanding that these, this couple, this married couple, 
are going to blow it. <laughs> They're going to blow it. Yeah. And what happened when Adam and Eve left the garden? Well, only one thing survived paradise. Only one thing survived Garden of Eden. There's only one thing that we can look at that comes out of Eden in this world, and that is marriage. Isn't that interesting? There is nothing else about the Garden of Eden that has survived. We don't even know where it was exactly. We think we know it is, where it is. There's only one thing that survives, and that is a marriage, but a fallen couple. They failed the one simple thing that God asked them not to do. I was cycling yesterday, and uh, I was just thinking about this, is that, is that, like, you have heard of dispensations, right? That there are seven dispensations in the Bible. Some, some will teach. Uh, I believe that there are epochs in history, but I don't want to limit God to any of those. We see the grace of God transition through all of them. We see the fine thread of the character of God of grace throughout all the dispensations, and we see that salvation is always by grace in every dispensation, even in the last days. But we see that the one thing that God told them not to do, they, they blow it. They blow it. Noah, when, when the flood emerged, Noah came out of, when the, flood were, when, the, when the flood came and emerged the world in judgment, Noah, the one man who had found grace in the eyes of the Lord, planted a vineyard, and what happened to him? He got drunk, right? I've heard people say, well, you know, he, he didn't know that the grapes were going to do that to him. Here's a man, here's a master architect chip builder who is able to gather all of the major um, animals of the world, put them in a boat, and he does not know that a grape is going to tie. What happened with Noah? We don't know what happened, with, but he failed. He failed at the beginning of a brand new epoch, the, the dispensation of, 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 of human government. Noah fails. Abraham, the father of faith, was faithless when it came to his beautiful wife. Twice he sells out his wife, lies about his wife so he can save his own skin. Interesting, huh? Does that sound familiar to us? <laughs> sells out his wife. Okay, wow. And he's the father of our faith. Yesterday we were just in the neighborhood just talking to some people, knocking on doors, and we just met this one, one, this one Muslim individual, and he, uh, he was just saying, it's all about Abraham. I said, yes, it is all about Abraham, because Romans chapter 4, Abraham was justified by faith and not circumcision. Abraham failed. He, he could not trust, he, he couldn't trust God for the timing of the promised seed. Instead, he listened to Sarah and fathered Ishmael by Hagar, her Egyptian maid. How about David? David, the king after God's own heart, committed adultery and murder. These are stuff we don't talk about in the Bible. We want to talk about self-improvement. We want to talk about the 12, whatever, 12 steps. We want to do this. We want to talk about the prosperity. We don't, the, the human race is very messy, and God allowed it to be messy. Because Why? So that he could say, well, I told you so. You guys blew it. I just, my ego needed someone to condemn. So I, I created you and Adam Eve so I could beat you up and, and seem righteous. No, that wasn't God's mind. God created the human race for one purpose, and that was to show the glory of his grace. And that he is the hero in Hebrews chapter 11. Peter, the pillar of the church, okay? The CEO, the guy, the big, he's the top dude. He is the man that is going to be leading this brand new Ecclesia, this whole new movement that's going to go through all of Europe and into Asia and then out down to India and then into North America and, and into North Africa. And he, what, what happens to Peter? Professes his readiness to follow Christ. Jesus, I will follow you into prison and to death. Right? Peter thought he knew what he was saying. Peter was in that moment in his life where he felt that his Christianity, his discipleship was all about his own commitment to Jesus Christ. I am committed. You ever hear that? 
I'm committed to this. And what happens, Jesus says, hey, I appreciate that, but um, you're going to deny me three times. But yet we see what God does with Peter. Peter winds up being crucified upside down. What happens? What happens in Hebrews chapter 11? Moses and Paul, both huge pillars of the Old and the New Testament, both were men that were guilty of the, the same of the same sin, and that is murder. It's in their it's in their resume. <laughs> you know, Moses is like, "Well, here's my resume, God. You know, I would like to lead your people, your two million people, out of Egypt, and uh, and 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 into you know, not two million, but all of your people. Later on, it was two million when Joseph led them. So when when Moses, yeah, it was two million. Sorry, and Moses shows on his resume that okay, I am." guilty of murder okay and god uses paul guilty of the bloodshed not only of just bad people but of the church of god wow imagine being a church planner with that yeah i used to kill christians i used to jail them i used to swindle them i used to beat them i used to steal whatever they had i used to i used to i used to drag husbands into jail and let their and let mom and dad let mom mom and the kids just swallow in in poverty and in some cases they died Failure, unfortunately, is the underside, and I'm gonna, this is going to get positive in a second. Failure is the underside of human existence, the lovely part that everyone wants to hide. You know, and this is something we want to cover in Romans chapter 5, but we as human beings have a very moral part of the flesh, and that moral part of us is very disturbed at the brokenness in the world. The moral part of us, not the godly part of us, the moral part of us. And we could look out of our lives sometimes that, and... And when, when things happen, uh, we experience seemingly defeats, we could look at that situation and we could say, uh, I have a knee-jerk knee uh, moral reaction that is not the heart of God. Uh, because we don't know how to deal with sin. Because we want to manage it. We want to we bring people into a behavioral uh, modification program. It is all around us. And I think the greatest thing that we can rejoice in today is that God has dealt with the sin question 2,000 years ago. This is something that God has dealt with even before the foundation of the world. Jesus says, I will go, I will be that sacrificial lamb before the foundation of the world. The Bible records failures of these great men to give us a realistic picture of man's condition and God's merciful nature. Um, Before, you know, just this this, this week, um, or was it last week, uh, we heard of some very troubling news about uh, uh, just a, a man of God that um, has been a part of a lot of people's lives in Christianity in the United States, and something popped up about his history. You know, I want to say I want to say that that I don't want to be part of that crowd that's pointing my pointing the fingers at that guy because if we are doing that, it, the finger is going to wind up pointing at us because judge as though you will be judged that way, and that is a and judge according to righteous judgment. And so um, before the press comes out with this tell-all expose, you know, when are the tapes going to come out about the president's conversation with this woman, Amorosa? You know, what are the, you know, it's like the daily salacious scandal of information about somebody's failure. Because we want to feast or that people want to feast on somebody else's failure because the sin question has not been resolved in that person's mind. I, as a pastor... And to you all, uh, make this commitment. So help help me, God. 
that I will not talk about to you people's failures. If, you, if someone shares something to me about someone's <clears throat> mess up, I'm not going to be up here talking about it so that I can build myself up because that's sacred information. Yeah. You know, the sacred information, and it's at the cross. It's been buried. It's been crucified. It's been buried, and it's been separated from us. It's in the deepest sea. It's as far as the east is from the west. Uh, it, is, it is no longer. We talked about that late last week, and, and, uh, and, and this is the great gospel that we are no longer identifying with who we used to be. Um, what makes a hero? What makes a hero? Um, what are the guts of a human success story? These are the questions that people want to ask in the world. Tell me how to be a hero. You know, how me, tell me how I can be a hero maker. I have a t-shirt at home. It's a, it's a church planning organization that I think that they're doing a great thing and that they, they call it hero maker. And whenever I wear it, I'm thinking, Jesus is the hero maker. Yeah. What, make, what are the guts of a human success story? Well, look at James 5, verse 17. We haven't even opened the scriptures. I'm sorry, but my base scripture this morning is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. And I, I just want, maybe um, Wes can put that up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. And Paul says this. I am, and he's talking to a church that he has planted, right? That's attacking him. Yeah. <laughs> you ever start something and then you just, you're getting, you know, if you're a parent, then you're going to experience that. And so what happens? Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. I labored, and he goes on, and then the King James, because I know all my memory verses are in King James. That's how I grew up. Uh, I labored more than all of them, but not I. So Paul here is saying, I labored. He's acknowledging his labor, but he says, not I, but it was... In the Greek, it says it's the grace of God labored in me. Yeah. It's the grace of God that was acting and laboring in him. And so what is the success story? Paul is not talking about his success story and his achievement. James 5, verse 17. And, you know, I think the book of James gets a bad rap sometimes in, in, grace, in grace circles. I think sometimes people look at the book of James and they say, what a contradiction to the grace message. <clears throat> Faith without works. And someday I'd like, sometime soon this year, I'd like to look at the book of James and look at, there's so much grace in that book. There's so much truth in that book and there's so much power in this book. And James chooses to use one of the, one of the most, well, one of the, one of the men of God in the Bible that was so passionate, so powerful, and so energetic, but he had, he had, these, he had these manic moments of defeat. I don't know if you're here today and you've had moments this week where you've just felt, you've been blindsided, you've been discouraged. You, you, you feel like you're defeated. Uh, you, you're like, I've done my best. How could this happen like this? Man, he, Elijah was a man in James 5, verse 17. And this encourages our hearts so much because he's an, exam, he's an example of, man, of a man of prayer. He was a man subject to like passions as we. What does that mean, subject to like passions? That's the King James. It just means that he was a human being like all of us. There were times... When, when, as we see written, in, and I, I don't know, I'm just maybe I'm kind of glad I didn't live in those times because, you know, my whole life would be written out in the whole Bible. And do I want people to know that? I don't know. But First Kings 19, we see a man of God. Now, get the picture here. Okay. He brings fire down from heaven. Okay. All the prophets of Baal are burnt up. The, I mean, they're, they're killed. Then the, then the altar is burned up. Imagine this scene. A big column of fire comes down. And burns up this altar that has 12 barrels of water on it, on the sacrifice. And that's such a beautiful story. It's such an impossible moment. Yeah. And, 
and fire comes down. It burns up the altar. It burns up the water around the altar. It is just totally decimated. Um, then he commands all the prophets of Baal to be taken down by the water and slain. And what a victory for the kingdom. And then, then he gets an email or a text message from Jezebel. It says, threatens him. It threatens his life. What happened to Elijah? He slips into depression. He's depressed. He's a man of God that's struggling with depression. What? Where's his joy, brother? Where's your joy, brother? Yeah. Defeat. I mean, he got this news from Jezebel. And he begins to, he's paranoid and he begins to run. He's, he's, he is bordering on suicide. Yet we call him a hero because he's inspiring us to believe God beyond our own frailties. And I like this. I'm quoting from this book. Forgive me, I'm human. The very character flaws which surfaced when he was in the pressure cooker of warfare make us identify with his battles and his victories. I love that. I love the story when we can see the clay feet. If you want, of a, of a man of God, when, if you want to read a great book on missions, and it's not going to be the, the, this great missionary did this great thing and he never failed and it was awesome, everybody got saved in the country. If you want to read a very realistic missionary book, and this is the book that we had when I was in Bible college, it's called From, and I'll, I'll text it or I'll email you the book. I think I got a PDF file. It's from, Irian, from Jerusalem to Irian Jaira. Anybody heard that book? From Jerusalem to Irian Jaira. It's a story of missions from Jerusalem all the way down to Indonesia up until that time when the book was written. Fantastic book about, about uh, awesome moves of God and then the defeat and the, and the struggle and then God showing up. Here's a story that really spoke to me this morning as I was reading it. Raymond Lull. You ever hear that guy? Raymond Lull. He was a missionary to the Muslims years ago in the last century. Set up training centers for Muslim evangelism and sent out evangelists and missionaries. And then he received the call to personally go. At the last minute, even as the crowds of well-wishers thronged the docks of the boat that he was about ready to depart on, Lull panicked. (laughs) He panicked at the thought of being tortured as a missionary and being martyred by the Muslims. What did he do? He unloaded the ship. What? He unloaded the ship. As everybody is watching, he's unloading the ship, and he says, I'm not going to go. I refuse to go. I mean, have you heard that part about Raymond Lull? He's like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do this. It's like, you know, it's like on your commencement day as a pastor, as a missionary from graduation, and like everybody's cheering, and like, you're like, you grab the diploma, and you're ready to go, and you're like, and then you rethink the whole thing, and you're like, I'm not going to do this. That happened to me one time. That happened to me on a mission trip. And he goes, I'm not going to do it. So he unloads the whole boat, and everybody's looking, and they're like wondering, and they just, the, the crowd just begins to dissipate slowly, and he unloads the boat. But what happens? Shortly thereafter, he had an encounter with the love of God and the grace of God, and God really spoke to him and the inner man and, and his fears were dispelled, and he went out later on a ship. And Lull, we know, successfully had such a beautiful ministry of the gospel to Muslims for years and years. And later, he was martyred for his faith at the age of 83 in Tunisia. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? What do we do? And I want to close with this, and it's just a simple message. What do we do? We know the story of Dwight L. Moody, right? Yeah. Great man of God. He had an anger issue. <laughs> he had an anger issue. I remember reading a biography about him or, or 
whatever, autobiography, biography. And it said that one time he preached this message and some guy came up and just came up right up to the stage, was really belligerent, um, would leave it alone. And so, like, I don't know, after you preach, there's that vulnerable moment. You've just delivered your heart to everybody. You've got your heart beating there on the pulpit. And you're preaching. And, and this guy comes up and slays his message, you know, and just begins to criticize his message. He's like, he's like you know, I don't know what he said, but, but Dale Moody reacted in anger and pushed him back so hard that he fell down a flight of stairs and everybody was aghast. They're like, what? <laughs> it's like this great man of God, you know, the preacher, and, and, and now he just pushed this guy down the stairs. So he goes down the stairs. He repents. He just apologizes to the guy and then he moves forward. Hebrews chapter 11 has a long list of faith heroes. We read it. You know, I think we've grown up. Some of us that have grown up in the church, we grow up reading that list like, you want to be like him. But I think that we very often miss the fact that Samson had his defeat. We see that Abraham had his times of wavering. We see Moses uh, struck the rock. We see, we see these moments where it's not about failure is, is permitted. It's not about what do we read when we read the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We read about a faithful God. And I want to finish with this, is that what's an anatomy of a hero? There is no heroes. It's Jesus Christ. It's a person that knows that Jesus is the hero. He has gone through that veil of the flesh. He has entered into the holiest of holies that no man could enter. And he's brought his own blood. And we sang that song, How Great Thou Art. He brought his own blood and he laid it at the altar there. And it was accepted by God. And then he comes out. The, the, the veil rent is rent. And now all of us, in, Roman, in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, the publicans and the sinners heard him gladly. Let's not live in some kind of an illusion that Christianity is about herohood. What, it is all, what, it's, what, what Christianity is all about, the biblical Christianity we see in the first church, are people that say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, God is who he is because he's a merciful God. And when you get blindsided by something that's not even your fault, or you're just astounded at something, and you want to you go down that rabbit hole of just self-analysis, I should have done this differently, and, and, or, or <clears throat> maybe, you know, maybe they are right, or, you know, or this or that, that's all about you. And that's just another form of egoism. Because this is what happens. You're, the enemy of your soul, when there is a trial, is going to make it all about you. Yeah. Okay? He's going to make you subjective. He's going to make you self-centered. He's going to blame you. You're going to blame yourself. You're going to be sitting there. And, and if we could have a picture of just us in that numb moment where we are, you know, we are like victimized by something. And we're sitting there numb. And it's like if we could have a picture of, of spiritual warfare at that moment, you could see demons just throwing stuff at your head and just yeah. uh, at, at like... Um, you know, if you're stepping out in faith in something, and this is the heart of God, and this is the will of God for your life, there are going to be moments of victory where you're going to be like, whoa, I'm on a mountain with Jesus. And then there are going to be moments like, wow, God, really? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be like, you know, uh, Janie brought up um, Harvey. You know, that really set us back in a lot of ways. We lost some families because of the condition of this building that had little kids because we had exposed stuff over there. I just remember thinking, God, how are we? How's this going to even get off the ground if we if we got hurricanes coming at us? Because you know our defeats are really not defeats. It's a moment 
Defeat is that seemingly moment where we get to discover the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the, the power of his grace laboring in us. Who are the real heroes? The unlikely models of perfection or the men and women who battled the flesh and beat the odds? No. It's a long list of faith heroes in Hebrews chapter 11 where there is only one or two of these heroes whose faults are not recorded in the earlier chapters of the Bible. They are examples of faith. And get this, there's one thing that you can get out of this message is that they are not examples of faith. They're examples of faith, but they're not examples of infallibility. They are examples of, of just trusting in a very big God. How big is our God? Uh, you know, how big is he? Is, is sometimes big things will come. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at him. Look at Paul. Paul said that when I am weak, he's not talking about weak to sin. He's talking about when I'm, when God has, and Paul is basically saying when I'm weak, there, then I am, there, there I am strong. Paul's not saying that, okay, God made me weak and now I'm going to sin. That's the way people read that. What he's saying is that God has weakened my ability to put my confidence in the old programming of the flesh. What used to work before in my dynamic part or in my, uh, my ability or my achievement is no longer available because God is not going to let me lean on that because that's the flesh. It's the old programming. Paul says, I put no confidence in my flesh in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, because that's when God is glorified. God is big. God is so big. And if there are moments where you just want to throw in the towel, you're going to try to throw in the towel, but as one preacher used to say it back in the day, the, the towel is going to stick on your hand. And God's not yeah. going to let you throw it in. That's right. You're going to throw, and you're going to throw, and you're throwing the towel is going to still be on your hand. Don't throw in the towel. And I can't promise you that next week things are going to be great. Oh, yeah, hey, God, you're going to get that. You know, it's going to be awesome next week. can't promise you that. When we pray for people, we're not praying that God would change their circumstances. We're praying that, 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 they, that they would meet the God of the Hebrew boys in the furnace. Yeah. And if you can meet that fourth man in that fire, hey, whatever happens, it happens. And we can walk around and we can look at ourselves and our identity in Jesus Christ and say, I am not a victim of my circumstances. I am who I am by the grace of God. And you know what? Maybe I had all those things happen to me in my childhood, but that's my false self. That's what the devil wants me to believe I am. Our true self is that we are a new creation. We are glorious. Yeah. And you know something? First Peter chapter 1, verse 12 is a beautiful verse. Um, Caleb loves when he gets the time. We've noticed that like when everybody's staring at him in the room, he loves that. He's just like, he just brightens up. I think he's an extrovert. And he just loves that attention. And and it's like if we could understand that when you and I are in that throne room of God, we are the center. We are Jesus Christ in us as the center. Angels in First Peter, in First Peter, chapter one, verse twelve, eagerly desire to look into your life at the sea of the grace of God, and they're just yeah. bewildered at what's going on in your life. Yes. Job, Job. And, and I'm going to just finish with that. Like Job's story. Man, was he a, a guy who just suffered a lot of defeats. You know, like he had it going great and then it all crashed. It all imploded. His entire life imploded. Even his wife told him to curse God and die. And what does Job do? Yeah, he fails. He blows it. Then he gets all these friends that are giving all this human perspective. Then this one guy, Elisha, shows up and he's uh, Elihu and says, and then just speaks God's mind. And in the end, God's not giving Job any answers now. God doesn't sit down and go, Job, okay, you did great, you blew it, but here are the, all the answers to the test. No, Job doesn't get the answers at all. He gets God. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> he gets Jesus Christ, and he walks out of that situation with double portion. With a lot of questions, probably. Look, God, I still don't know why all my family died. <laughs> why did that happen? Why did you let that happen? But I know, because I see now who I've only heard about before. That's the whole thing. See Jesus, the hero of your faith, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, we just thank you today that you are our hero, Lord. And like we said, heroes are are not what you're looking for. God, you're just looking for people that are willing to step out of the water and sink so that Jesus Christ can be exalted. And this is not the end of the story, failure or defeat or seemingly defeat, as Micah said, as he said in Micah chapter 6, he said, rejoice not, my, my enemy, for I shall rise. Was he talking about personal failure? I don't know. Maybe he was, he was a preacher. He was a man of God that was being used to encourage those that were building Jerusalem after the captivity. God raised him up, and yet he suffered uh, setbacks. If you suffer a setback, don't react. Don't, don't live in the old programming of the way you used to handle situations. Get quiet and get, and get present with the presence of God and, and listen to him speak to you. If you're here this morning, I just never want to take for granted somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you know about him. Maybe you don't know who he is on a personal level. Just say yes to Jesus as he knocks on the door of your heart. We praise you, God, for you being the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you, God, that you are, you've done so much. What a great summer we've had. What a strong summer we've had. We praise you for that, Lord. We just ask you, God, for our kids that are heading back to school that you would cover them maybe next week, next Sunday, uh, or at some point we could just have a special prayer for the kids. Lord, we pray for our kids as they go back to school, that you would protect their souls, their little minds, protect their bodies, God. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, set your angels around them as, they, as they're off to school. Lord, you protect their ears and their hearts. Lord, we pray, Father, for those families t- today that are... Um, maybe separated from their kids and we just pray for this comfort and your hand to work in their absence we praise you and we love you god in jesus precious name we pray these things amen